On today's episode, I interview Lisa and Adam Grice, who are members of the Million Dollar Trading Program and have built a super successful business. Now, during their time with us, they've grown their revenue and their profits significantly, and they've gone on a business buying spree by purchasing more branches in different areas of the country. And they've created robust systems and processes to ensure the work gets done to a consistent high standard, as well as building a high-performance work culture. They've also created clear roles for each other in the business, which is often a challenge when we work with our spouse. Tune in today as Lisa and Adam talk through how they've done it. You're listening to the Profitable Tradie Podcast, where we'll help you turn your business into a money-making machine. We know you're busy, so we'll make it worth your time. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, time is money, and we're here to help you make more of both. So hit the follow button, and let's get started. To the podcast. They say success leaves clues, and on today's episode of the Profitable Trading Podcast, I interview a super successful couple. Lisa and Adam, cool to hang out today. Really excited about today's episode. This is going to be uh, really fun, and I know the listeners will get a lot of good tips out of this one. So maybe just to kick off, can you tell us a little bit about your business? So you know what you do, where you're based, and uh, what your team is. Cool. Uh, so we're a furniture removal storage company. We have two branches, one in Mossvale, so a couple of hours south of Sydney, and one in Melbourne. We have a staff of approximately 30, uh, running 10 trucks, uh, yeah, plus all the other ancillary bits and bobs that go with running a removal company. Yep, and you're still happily married to each other, which is uh, happy days. Yes, still happily married, yes. There's been a few not happily married times, but no, still happily married. That's uh, that's good news. I think all of us who have been married a while have uh, been through those experiences. So can you tell us, team, how you actually got into this business? Well, I was thinking about this question, and the, the real answer is by accident. <laughs> um, we moved from Sydney to the Southern Islands, and um, I needed a job, could drive trucks, and the first job I took was at this removal company and went from knowing how to drive a truck and not knowing one iota of furniture removal to learning all that to then managing it to buying the partners out and here we are. So how long ago did you actually you know start driving the trucks for the company? 20, 21 years ago. Wow okay yep. I actually didn't know that I learn something every day. There you go yeah yeah yeah. There was no real intention or plan although we part way along we always thought it'd be good to buy an own because we could see some what we thought was some gaps in what was happening and we just created our own form of those gaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, like a lot of people in business, you just made it up as you went along? Very much so. Yeah. yeah. I think for most people listening, there's been a fair bit of that, and I know that's certainly something that, that I've experienced as well over the years. Maybe maybe sometimes that's uh, it seems like the easy way, but sometimes it's uh, it's a bit tough as well because you've got to do everything from scratch. Yes. So maybe let's fast forward a little bit. So you've been a member of uh, our coaching program and our boardroom program, which is our sort of high achievers group as well, for a little while. What was life like before you joined the Million Dollar Trading Program? What was going on? and uh, what we're looking to really improve and work on. Um, before then, we were definitely stuck in a rut. It was really, really horrible, a really horrible place. Uh, we were finding it very difficult. I'd actually call it a place of being hopeless, like in that pit of not quite despair, but getting Pretty there. close. Yeah. <laughs> the business, I'd say, was like a monster that just consumed us, took our time, took our energy. We were working easily 70 hours a week. And that was normal. It wasn't like a once-off or I'd just get through this time. That was just normal. It was even hard to socialise. Um, not good at all. 
to coin the phrase, the lunatics were running the asylum. <laughs> I we, love that we, saying. We, say. we were definitely not good bosses. No, we allowed way too many things to happen that should never have happened just through through ignorance and, and fear of actually stepping up and being the, the leader and doing what needed to be done, trying to be people's friends. And we really didn't know what needed to be done. We didn't know how to be a good boss. We were kind of nice to the staff, but that didn't necessarily work at all. And all of our systems were, there were, there were no... Any, we had systems? Any, we, <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't have systems. We, no, we didn't really. No. Um, like, I don't mind systems, but Adam's not a system lover. So there was just this, no, we don't need systems. Everyone should just get on with common sense and know what to do. And you don't have to tell them a million times. And why do I have to mm-hmm. change what I do to um, make them happy and stuff like that? So and that, that caused a lot of tension and frustration between us too definitely yeah yeah let's let's talk about that a little bit because a lot of people listening yeah let's not but let's do uh because you know this is like a fairy tale once upon a time things were bad and then they got good uh so so that's all good but this is a massive uh a massive learning for a lot of people that they're not alone you know when you're working with um say a business partner but often the partner is your spouse or significant other you're having different ideas about how things should be done uh, how does that sort of impact, you know, life and, and your enjoyment of things? Uh, it impacted significantly in a negative way, not a good way. Yeah, not good. I was coming up to um, definitely having ultimatums from my point of view. Didn't like it at all. Yep. This is a really real challenge. And I know this this is quite personal. Uh, and it is for a lot of people as well, though, when you're in business with a partner or if the partner is your, you know, your spouse or significant other, uh, there's actually a lot at stake. And so it's really important that uh, people actually address it because sometimes they don't. And it, obviously, if there's a problem, you don't work on it, it doesn't get any better. What I'd love to know is what, what made you decide to actually make some changes when you did? In, in our pits of despair, we were having a lot of problems with our staff at the time. We had someone who was very much had mental health issues, but we were probably over-considerate in that sense and we didn't have any boundaries at all. But then other people would play also on the same, you know, if she can do that, why can't I do that and have time off as much as I need and things like that. We were struggling there and Adam was scrolling through Facebook and came across one of your videos uh, talking about staff KPIs and I thought, that's brilliant, that's what we need, just something, just some sort of format to run by some sort of protocol so everyone knows where they stand so they, the staff know what's expected of them and we can also run with that and, and develop that. I think that's the main deciding factor. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to dig into that sort of mindset or approach that you've mentioned a couple of times there, which is effectively we are too nice or we give our teams too much rope or too much leeway and we almost almost abdicate responsibility for leading the company. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that was for you, how it played out in your situation? Because I think it's a big thing for a lot of people. Personally, I always wanted the place to be like a, a fun place to work. Like you can do work and it be serious, but you can also enjoy yourself doing it um but what it turned into is just helping them too much um that quote you know there's a difference between a hand up and a hand out we're too much of the hand out too nice no proper structures rules in place and like lisa said so you know if you, if you allow one person to do it then all the other staff see that and go well if they can do it why can't we do that and also then not knowing how to pull people up technically proficient at my job woefully underqualified for running it and managing it how do you have those difficult conversations with people previous what is a kpi what what does a good kpi look like what does a bad kpi look like didn't even know any of that hard to introduce and implement what you don't know i think we were scared of being not nice bosses and therefore the repercussions of maybe losing people i think that's probably one of our biggest fears yeah so i suppose like kids are a bit spoiled and 
kind of did what they wanted and unruly and we didn't put any boundaries in place. So I think that's probably yeah, came that, from that a was, base of oh, yeah. fear. Definitely, definitely fear-based. Yeah, that's. I mean, this is a huge thing that we see all the time. Is is um, when you're scared of holding your team to account. This doesn't mean that you're a dictator or you're a hard ass all the time. That's not what we're really talking about, is it? No. It's ac- it's actually about creating some clear rules, some boundaries, rules of the game, some clear values, and this is the way things work around here. Uh, but so many people are scared of doing that because they're actually scared of losing their employees. And scared of what that means for them. How am I going to cope? Uh, how am I going to get the work done? Uh, how you know? How am I going to keep the customers happy if I don't have employees? Yeah, as you've said or alluded to, it's actually a reverse thing that happens because if you let fear take over, then what happens is typically the employees lose respect for you, and all those things happen anyway. Uh, but you've got no control over the situation. And leadership and control is actually really important in an organisation because, uh, and I, I think you'll probably agree with this, is that. When people know what needs to be done and they know the structure and they know what's expected of them and they know how what the rules are, then they're actually much happier at work and they respect you much more. Has that been your experience? Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. How has the team situation changed since you've uh, taken responsibility for being the leader and actually creating an environment where people know what's expected and, and holding people to be accountable? One of the biggest things, we've actually realised who as an employee is a right fit and who is a wrong fit. So actually having standards around who we employ and don't employ. We had a a situation leading up to Christmas, um, just gone down in Melbourne where we were desperately short of people. And Jimmy, who you've met, our our branch manager down in Melbourne, he was on board with the whole process as well, where we went, we will just keep the workflow to where we are, say no to everything else because we just can't do it all. So we get the right person as opposed to just getting anyone to fill the role. And that, in some sense, was a little bit frustrating as in you're knocking work back and whatnot and you, you were going through the process and it was you know, a really tight time for finding people. From that, we found two absolutely cracking guys that I think I'm pretty confident that if we just got anyone, they wouldn't have come on board and then you, you end up with staff that you shouldn't have employed in the first place. Yeah, That's actually super insightful because... Once you put standards in place, uh, you do think differently about hiring people. And there's this weird, I don't know whether it's karma or it's something cosmic or what it is. I've seen it many times and I, I just know that it's true. All of a sudden, when you have standards, there seems to be better people who actually come into your hiring funnels and your hiring processes. I don't know how that works. I'm sure you've experienced it as well, but standards actually make that happen somehow it's kind of weird right yeah definitely no it's great i think it's awesome how how it changes the whole culture the whole feeling of work people enjoy coming to work they want to do things outside of work probably changed as far as staffing was 50 percent's left and 50 percent stayed over the time over the last couple of years um but the staff we have now are incredible they're they're really amazing bunch of people yeah yeah, and that, that's, I think that's a really cool observation that sometimes when you put standards in, you may see some employee turnover, but if you don't get that, your business is never going to go to where you want it to go because you, some people just can't take you to where you want to go. And they may be good for someone else, but they're not good for you. And uh, that's part of being courageous as a leader, which is uh, something I really respect about what, you know, what you've been able to do over the last few years as well. So let's look at business now then. So what, is, uh, what does your business look like now? Uh, so as far as revenue goes, we were doing about two and a half million turnover a year before profitable trading, and now we're touching around the four million mark. Profit-wise, was pretty crap. I was excited because we actually had profit, so I, I thought, yay! And then Phil was saying, yeah, that's not very good. So um, 
well, let's get some more profit. So I think we're only like getting a hundred, not even a hundred thousand profit yeah. out of the business a couple of years ago. And now we're looking more like half a mil plus, which is really good because we haven't turned over, oh, we've turned over probably about 30% more, but we're, you know, five times more profit out of it, which is awesome. The staff, we haven't actually increased a lot. I think we've gone from no. low twenties up to 30 now. Yeah. We actually haven't increased a lot of staff, which is good. Definitely better quality work, understanding the nature of who our customer is, who we want to target, where we want to sit in the industry, in the market, working out what's good work revenue-wise, what's poor paying work. That's been a game changer for the revenue side of things. I'd, I'd love to talk about that a little bit because uh, one of the things that um, I wanted to get into today is to talk about your, you know, your gross margins, gross profit. Uh, because that's a big part of success here. And uh, if you're tuning in, gross profit is really the profit you make off your jobs. So it's really important. Um, so you mentioned that you've figured out what work is good and what work is not. And one of the things that impressed me is you've got really strong gross profit margins now. So those sort of things go together. So what have you done over the last few years? What have you done differently that's allowed you to really grow that profitability from the jobs you do? Uh, there'd be a couple of things like now that we have two branches, our Melbourne branch is a lot more government and commercial business to business based. So that has different fluctuations as far as our profitability throughout the year. And then the New South Wales branch, we have we do a lot of domestic removals and we charge fairly high pricing for that. And the reason we do that is, is because we've been over the years just constantly improving. We don't care to be the best as such, but we are in the area, definitely. But um, it's only been just, we just constantly improve whatever we're doing just to get better all the time. And then you can charge that sort of pricing. Overall, I'd say that's been our two bigger reasons why, like across the year, yeah. it's, the GP is pretty standard for us. One of the things you haven't touched on, which you were the driver of this, was understanding our numbers and doing the back costing so we can actually go what we made on each job. And Lisa was instrumental in doing that. I was the passenger. You spent a lot of time doing that and going through the jobs, going through what's working, what's not working. So we actually know what jobs are profitable and what jobs are not. And, you know, what about if we do this and what about if we tweak it here? You're the instigator with all that. And without that information, you, you just, you're guessing. Yeah, this is a huge thing and something we talk about with our members, you know, very early on is how to understand your job profitability because there's so much gold in that and I've never met a business that can't increase its gross margin by 5 to 10% by actually understanding this stuff and, and back costing mm. their work. What were the key lessons that you got or what were the aha moments or the things you're like, wow, that's interesting when you actually started digging into the back costing and the profitability of, of these specific jobs? Uh, we definitely noticed there were some jobs that we've been working with customers for years, the same client, more the business to business side of things. And we do do those clients at special rates. And when we back costed them, we're actually, I think we were losing money on some of them. And we just, <laughs> we actually can't do the work for them anymore. unless. And we did charge higher and we understood that if they left, that's fine. So it's things like that, just where the money money sits and where it doesn't sit and what sorts of jobs. We do some hourly work as well as some quoted fixed pricing and just to see what works better. is mm -hmm. It's interesting, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it show, yeah. shines a light on things and often we think we know what the profitability is or maybe we're like, hey, this job actually has good top line revenue, like it, there's a lot of sales and revenue, so it must be good. But sometimes it's not. In fact, it can be a loss until you really dig into how much money do I actually make on each individual job. 
it's absolutely critical to success financially, that's for sure. One thing I'd really love to talk about is the, the roles that you two play in the business and, and where that was and where it is now and, and the process you went through figuring that out because that's been really uh, interesting. And Lisa's smiling, I can see her there. Can you talk us through that process and what the, you know, the challenges and the ups and downs with all of that was? Because I think that's really uh, an interesting lesson. Yes, definitely from um, my point of view, when I started working uh, in the business, it was very much as Adam's sort of little helper, like a little elf. I felt like I was just kind of do the things that he couldn't do or just help out in the office and stuff like that. That was very much how I came into it. And I thought once once it's set up a bit better, then I'll, I'll back off and, and do whatever my career is. That's definitely how I came into the business. And I think a lot of women do come in like that, definitely. Yeah. And um, even if I had an idea or things that I think would be better, it became a battle between Adam and I as to should it be implemented or not. And we had, we had a lot of fights over, not fights as such, but yes. disagreements, whatever, over how to implement stuff and should we. And he'd think you shouldn't because it's common sense and we'd go around the, round, round in circles. Yeah. Well, you, you can tell whether it's a fight or not because uh, it depends which way you go to sleep at night. If it's bum to bum, it was a fight. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's always the good test, someone told me once. Uh, and how did you see Adams? How did that play out with you know the the view you had on things? Even during profitable trading, I was I was very frustrated. Lisa would come to me with new ideas, and to me they'd sound great, but I wouldn't know how to implement them. Wouldn't know how to do them. So naturally, I would just say, "No, I don't want to do it." And you, you think about that logically now, and I go, "Man, what a freaking idiot!" Like, like I got this amazing person next to me that's got some ideas and would run with them. And I'm saying no because I don't know how to implement it myself. I felt a lot of the time I had to do it all myself. So I'd kibosh things because I didn't know how to do it all. And basically a lot of that was letting my own ego get involved and take that out of the equation. Gee, life works a lot better. I appreciate you being open because this is a huge thing. Often when people don't do stuff or seemingly receptive to stuff, it's actually because they're one, overwhelmed, and so they just do not actually have the capacity to take on any more detail or any more work or any more thinking work anyway, so that's one thing. Or two, actually there's a little bit of apprehension or fear about, well, how is this going to work and could I actually do it? And maybe it's often two of those things at the same time. Uh, so if you are working with a business partner or a spouse or a significant other or someone else in your business and they're maybe not picking up some ideas and stuff, it could be that they're just overwhelmed and they're just uncertain about how to do stuff. Um, that, that is often the case uh, as well. So what did you guys do here? What was the journey from, from that point to where you are now in the business? I was a bit slow in the change. <laughs> um, from my perspective, the biggest thing is to actually let go of control and allow Lisa to do what she's good at doing. That was hard for me. Again, ego coming in, not because she's incapable. She's actually way more capable than myself in that area and other areas as well. And it was just the, the letting go. If I had my time again, we would be years and years advanced on where we are now. And I think to any anyone who's got a, a partner, a spouse, you've got to define your roles, especially the, the men out there who are technically proficient at their job but pretty poor at the organisation in the office side of things. If that's the case... Just whoever your partner is doing it, if it's your spouse, if it's someone else, let them do that. It'll actually make your life a hundred times easier. Um, from from my point of view, I think one of the changing factors, because Adam wasn't definitely wasn't really on board in the beginning with the program because he did kind of stall on everything that I was trying to implement. Yeah. So there was a point where that's where the ultimatum comes and said it's either me and PT or I'm done, like I, I can't do this anymore. And so in the end I just had to be had to become more of the driver and, and just roll with it myself regardless of what he was doing. It just had to be that way for us. Yeah. Otherwise it wasn't gonna happen. 
And, you know, nobody said business was easy and sometimes being uh, married and in business is not easy either. Uh, it, it can be amazing as well. Uh, so how do your roles look now? I think you talked about defining your roles because for me, that's a massive challenge for partners in business, not just people who are partners in life and business, but business partners. So how do the roles look now? Very clear. <laughs> very, very clear. Um, at the moment, I run the business and Adam is a consultant at meetings and things like that. So he'll put input into ideas. I will run with the ideas if, if I think they're good and implement them. And I have the managers that are reportable to me. And Adam is also a truck driver at the moment still. So he's then reportable to the ops manager in Melbourne. So that's how it rolls. And how does that work now compared to how it did work before? It's good as far as everyone knows what their responsibility is, um, who they're accountable to. The communication line is clear, who you, you talk to and who you don't talk to. About staying in your own lane at the end of the day. Um, everyone knows what's happened. Not to say we're not having issues with people jumping out of their lane every now and then, but then you know what you're doing. Um, whereas before, if I make a decision, Adam might undercut it or vice versa. We've even argued a few times in front of the staff about how the work should be done, which isn't cool. No. So we've done that a few times. Um, so it's a lot better way better now it's way better now even from my perspective a lot things just seem to be easier there's a clear path a clear flow we know where we're going we have regular meetings talks things are just happening a lot quicker and easier than i ever thought was possible yeah and i love you your comments about staying in the lane and when you have a partnership in a business it's like children sometimes the the children are cunning like weasels, cunning as a weasel. That's a Baldrick, I think, from Blackadder. Anyway, and uh, they will ask mum something, and if they don't get the answer they want, they'll go to dad and try and get a different answer. And your employees often do that almost subconsciously in a business as well if the lines of communication aren't really clear. And you mentioned about staying in your lane. You know, Sometimes people get out of their lane, but the key is if you know what their lane is, then you know if they're out of their lane. Uh, and that happens in every business, and that's, that's pretty normal. I mean, I, do, I misbehave sometimes too. And Phil, who is my co-host, who's not here today, probably wants to kick me in the backside sometimes, but it's about knowing that you've done something you shouldn't and then getting back in your lane, which is massive. There's another really important principle here that you've touched on, and uh, we call it unity of command. So if you're in a business partnership, there has to be one boss. There cannot be two bosses. Because if there's two bosses, there ain't no boss. It's actually anarchy. Uh, and that's really tricky when you're a husband and a wife or your business partners, but that doesn't mean one's more important than the other because you're actually a team. And so you almost have to put your own ego aside for the, for the benefit of the team, which is a win for you. Uh, and I think that's, that's a real challenge, isn't it, when you're in a partnership? Sure is. Def definitely was for me. It works so much easier now than the old way of us button heads fighting. And so if Adam notices something now that's not right, he'll now come to me and I'll talk to whoever needs to be talked to, which is the manager, and the manager yep. will talk to the staff. Yep. Or yep. we'll set up a new system if something's missing. That, that's great. I love it. So what, what have the results meant for you and your family, the result you've had for you, from the business? We can go on holidays now. Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just come back from a week off. It was nice. It was and nice. There wasn't a fire. Everything, no. everything ticked along nicely. Got to a point where I don't even have to do more than a day a week at the moment. So that's that's really awesome for me. And and Adam can choose at any point in time to back out if he wanted to. So it's yes, the business has got to such a point that our lifestyle is, is our choice and we just work what we want to work or, or not. So it's really good. I was going to say, my wife recently got headhunted. <laughs> I hear she got headhunted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, she got headhunted. So, you know, it's awesome that there's the flexibility in her schedule that she went, I'd really love to do that and can do it as opposed to going, man, I'd really love to do that. I, I can't even see how to do it. Yeah. All jokes aside, that's bloody awesome. 
that is amazing. Uh, you've yeah. done some great work there. Let's talk about milestones. So what have been the key milestones of growth along the way for the business? You know, you sort of started out, owned the business, but what have been the key points where things have really changed or shifted? For me, hiring an ops person, hiring an ops manager was a big hurdle for me. I was the scheduler, very good scheduler, and giving that away and having someone else do that had to change a lot for that to happen. That was your baby. That was my baby. Well, you, you and I both knew back then, like every job that was going on, every customer. Now, I, I wouldn't even know 10% of what happens. No, I don't, I don't know anyone now. So, so I think that was good. And even to a, a degree, I did like having control over everything. And that was an issue in that then no one can really run with what they had. So now that I've got a, an ops manager, to be honest, not the best scheduler. And that's something I'm also okay with because everything else that the ops managers brought is incredible. Absolutely incredible, and I wouldn't change it at all. So I think that's a, a good lesson I learned as far as like having progress and not perfecting it. Whereas I, was, I did like perfection, but um, and giving that up has been really good. So hiring someone was awesome. We also went through our organisational chart, our structure. Um, that's been really good, and just seeing what's missing, what uh, we w- wanted to put in place as we grow, what the you know five years time looked like, things like that. And we had also setting up meetings. Having a good meeting rhythm, yeah. that's a recent setup. That's that's working really well as well. So the communication's good. We're not double handling information back and forth between the managers and and staff. Yeah. So that's worked really well as well. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I love the structure piece, which is if you're listening, and you haven't done it. Get a piece of paper and draw out how you want the structure of your organisation to look in five years' time when it's finished. If you like all the roles you want, then maybe bring it back to three years' time and one year's time and and start working on filling the gaps, which is awesome. Um, because that you know helps you look at the bigger picture, and realise that you're actually building a business. You know you're not just doing the day to day stuff. And that piece about perfection and progress is huge. And I think you've learnt that if you want to grow a business, you cannot be in control of everything. There is an inverse relationship between control and growth. It doesn't mean things are out of control. It just means you control them by the numbers, the KPIs, having regular meetings with your team where they bring their results to you and you can hold them accountable, uh, which is why the regular meetings are important. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a cool learning. I love that one. That's key to success because you can't know what every job is, right? Otherwise, your business can't grow. It's, it just can't. It can only grow as big as what you have the capacity for and that's it. Then you're stuck. Yep, and most people in business get overwhelmed by all the decisions they have to make. Uh, if you've got to make all the decisions, then it's it's so tiring, right? Once you can get rid of some of that decision-making ability or capacity, that makes life so much better. Very good. I'm glad I added a little bit of value there today in the podcast. <laughs> you, my, got earned, today. you got earned my money today. Yeah, hey, for people listening today, what are the benefits of actually getting some outside help uh, whether it's from a coaching program like we do or you know some other uh, learning process or, or whatever it is with their business? I think in, in life, doesn't matter whatever you're looking at improving, whether it's business, health, relationships, um, money, to get an outside professional who has been there, done that, who has the resources, the wisdom and the knowledge, it's almost ridiculous not to do that. I think um, you can very much tap into someone else's or a business's model and ideas just to fast track whatever you're trying to do based on the hard work that you don't need to do. Anything you want to improve. It's one of those, it's a bit cliche, but you don't know what you don't know. 
you look at how we were and we're doing all these things and we're like 70 odd hours a week and you say why isn't it all working we come in get some coaching from you guys start implementing some things and it's like we would have never even thought of these things and some of them even when you were implementing them we're like really is this going to work it's like but you know trust the process just you know <laughs> this is what they do and sure enough it works and it changes and it's like I look at it now and I go why would you not get coaching you know if you want to be a professional tennis player you don't just play a couple of games and then you'll be right they have coaches that teach them all the time you want to you want to succeed in business get a bloody business coach they'll, they'll tell you all the things about business not necessarily about what you're doing but all the back-end stuff which actually makes a difference yeah man you're, you're preaching to the choir here i mean we have two or three coaches ourselves because um i think it allows you to stand on the shoulders of giants or other people and it just multiplies your learning which is huge yeah. and 100 percent agree with the fact that you just don't know what you don't know sometimes the reason you're having issues in your business or your life is because you don't even know what question to ask and the right questions are really important and so it opens up your perspective on business like in our business something that we're passionate about is helping people create the life and the business they never dreamed possible and as you know in the membership there are some people who make a million dollars in profit or more now there's a lot of people can't even imagine making a million dollars in revenue let alone profit and until they see it they can't even believe that it's a thing and I think that's incredibly powerful now one of the things that I see for business owners is that they often get stuck at a certain level of revenue or team size and you've sort of alluded to that a bit as well when you think of people like that what do you think is the most important things for them to actually concentrate on you know from your experience to bust through that sort of glass ceiling that they may be banging up against say their own mindset most of that would be their own limiting beliefs be it conscious or subconsciously a lot of our learnings have been what's been taught in in our different coaching groups but also your books you read for your own personal self which is not necessarily anything to do with the business we always thought wow we profited 100 grand how awesome is that now we'd be like holy shit (laughs) you know and that's only come through through different learnings different mindset growth personally yeah, definitely mindset I think is the key. Um, I think it's important to really visualise or imagine what it's like to be whatever you're going for. So whether you're looking at doubling or tenfold or whatever, and I think you just go look at the business, look at your life and go, if you had 10 times the staff, how would that look? What systems have you got in place and would they cope with that amount of staff? Or if you had 10 times more money, even personal income, how would that work? And do you feel comfortable with that? Because most of the times you probably wouldn't. Are you happy with oh, yes. earning more than your staff and doing less work than they do? Like all, all those sorts of things. I think it's just getting familiar with it in your head first before you do it in real life. I think you've said something there that's very profound. Get comfortable with earning a lot more than your staff and working less. And how many people, and probably us included at some stage, and people if you're, if you're listening as well, uh, you almost feel guilty about being successful. You know, if you could actually run a business that you spend eight hours a week on, kind of like yourself, Lisa, and you're making great money, uh, if you don't feel good about that, it won't happen or it certainly won't continue. You'll find some way of messing it up by meddling or being a control freak or micromanager or something like that. Uh, so that that's massive. That's pretty cool. It, it does start between your ears. There's no, no doubt about that. So sort of to wrap things up, let's drill into that mindset uh, a little bit. So what have been the, the mindset changes that you've had to make so that your business can be more successful and more importantly, Uh, your life can be more of what you want it to be. I'd say for me, we've already touched on some of these, like the progress, not perfection was huge for myself. And being okay with getting rid of whatever your niche little baby was, your niche role that you liked, like for me is scheduling, but some people have that with sales or or quoting or, and they just kind of always just want to do it 
because they're the best at it. And they, they might be the best at it, but you still got to eventually get to the point where you can let those things go. And one of the bigger ones we had more recently was we had a, a block of land that we had a fair bit of equity in it. And even sort of coming to the realisation uh, with the help of Phil again, was that the money that we have in there, we could purchase more businesses with and we have a much better return than by sitting it in property and kind of waiting for it to slowly creep up. Yeah, and that, that's been massive, just having that awareness, even though it makes sense, but um, it's such a drilled-in concept to stick money into property. And hold it forever, so, yeah. Yeah, but business is way more effective than property. Run, run well, anyway. Yeah, yeah, run well, 100%. Run badly, it's a flipping nightmare. That's um, And uh, that's why we call this a profitable trading podcast, because we want it to be profitable and proper. But yeah. business is often the best investment we'll ever have if we do it properly. I 100% agree that's with that. What about from your perspective, Adam? Because I, th- I think you've done some massive growth. I'm trying to look at where I was to where I am now, and it's always like these little incremental things that you just, you know, two mil here, five mil here, all of a sudden you're on a completely different course, but you don't look back and go, oh, that's where I made the left turn, and that's where I did the, yeah, I've got a good sounding board next to me. She's brilliant for bouncing ideas and dreams. Definitely one thing we do a lot of is where do we want to be? That's very personal in as much as where I want to be doesn't necessarily mean other people have to be there. You know, they might look at my goals and go, geez, I'm only a quarter way through what I want to achieve. So, you know, work out where you want to be, what you want to do. Like Lisa was saying before, think about it, feel, you know, what would it be like if you're only doing 10 hours a week? What would it be like if you're doing a million dollars in profit, you know, if that's such a stretch for you and go for it? Um, another one for me, keeping my ego in check and giving up control. That was, for me personally, they're, they're two big ones. They, they still creep in every now and then. you got to beat them back down. <laughs> See the giggling. <laughs> um, Is, are you beating them back down or does Lisa help you with that? No, she leaves me with it. Yeah, I don't do it. She doesn't do it. No. <laughs> She's not that, not that kind of wife. I'm very, very blessed, very lucky with the kind of woman I've got next to me. She allows me to see my own mistakes as opposed to beating them down. That's right. That's gold. You're yeah. a good team, that's for sure. Yeah. I've got a wife, not a mother. That's right. Don't want a, yeah. a second mother. That's not a good setup for a happy marriage, uh, for I sure. Love, I love my mum, but I only want one of her. <laughs> amen. Amen. Team, this has been fun. I've really, really enjoyed chatting today, and there's lots of uh, wisdom and gold nuggets uh, in the session that we've had today. And for me, a few things jump out is uh, getting clear on the roles you have in the business, doing work on the inner game, you know, continually stretching yourself, asking different questions, and learning that you know to grow your business on the outside, you actually have to grow yourself on the inside. Uh, and that's a big thing for people in business. We often think we need to change all the stuff in the business. And we do, but that happens by actually growing the inside of the way we see things, the way we look at things and the way we think about things and actually uh, creating an image in our head about a different result. Uh, because if you don't believe that you can get a better result, then you can't actually do it in realities as well. So uh, cool to hang out today, guys. Really appreciate you and all the work you've put in and the gold nuggets you've shared today. Well, thank you. Take good care. We'll catch up real soon. Next week on the Profitable Tradie Podcast. Lots of tradie and service business owners are in partnerships, whether it be with a business partner or with your spouse, life partner or significant other. And sometimes the partnership goes well and sometimes it's a nightmare. Tune into next week's episode where we dig into the ups and downs of partnerships and the do's and don'ts that will determine whether your partnership succeeds or fails. Congratulations on being part of a select group of savvy business owners who are taking their businesses to the next level. And to help you on your journey, Don't forget to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Tradie, and other valuable resources. Thanks for being a part of this special group, and we'll see you in the next episode of The Profitable Tradie Podcast.